0: What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game podcast brought to you by Bet Online. The NFL draft happened tonight, which was like one of the first sports things to happen in a very long time. Uh, my partner, John LaRocca, is here. John, did you by chance catch any of the NFL draft?
1: Just on like notifications on my phone. Like, I totally forgot it was on today. And I was like, oh, shoot, they're drafting. And I saw some like. Clip of you know this young man with uh, I think he must whoever went number one was uh, in this home with his parents next to him you know yep yeah so There's it just everybody. just uh, interesting you know poor you know poor, these poor kids that waiting for that big moment to walk down that aisle and get their name called and. You know, but they had a big group of family around them and friends. They all go crazy when the name's called, you know, in their house. But, you know, they a little different this year, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, everyone had to adjust. And, and uh, well, I'm glad everyone's happy. Who the Niners get? That's what I want. not even a chance to go back and look what the Niners got. So, the
0: Niners were, uh, they were at the 13th pick. And two of the top receivers fell right into their lap. Mm-hmm. And they didn't take either. They traded back one spot and uh and they drafted a defensive lineman to take uh, the space of uh, DeForest Buckner, who they traded. so they uh, they drafted d line, and then in the uh, at the end of the first round, they had the last uh, second to last pick of the first round, they traded up to grab a wide receiver out of Arizona state. Um, so they come up with two top notch players, uh, but they, do not have any picks until the fourth round so they don't have any second or third round picks now did you pick this on betonline.betonline BetOnline? did you pick your- <laughs> you know you know you i think you could have uh, there there were definitely uh bets that you you could have like who's going to be like number know, 1 right what, obviously yeah i think you could have like picked who who, who those picks were um but for for uh, betonline um you know with the ufc show coming i think that's going to be pretty interesting because finally you have um you know you have some some actual sports that that you can actually do like you know for for as far as who's going to win fights so is that going to be fun still may 9th is that still the day that they're looking at jacksonville for that the day the date is still may 9th but no, Amanda nunez that we found out about No, in nunez she didn't think she was going to have enough time to be at at the top of her game uh, but still, you know, as far as, as as far as the fights today, you know, you still have Gaethje and Ferguson and Cruz and Cejudo as the top two fights, which are still really big. And then, you know, Cerrone and Pettis, uh, you know, is on there as well. So, yeah, yeah, it's I don't know, maybe if I'm just really
1: bored <laughs> for content, but ah, man, that's a lot of money to be spending right now. Yeah, it is oh, on, em-
0: on Empty Arena MMA. Yeah, exactly. I'm well, Google. I mean, it, it'll be a good experiment because we know what Empty Arena wrestling is like, and now we'll get to see the MMA version of it. And, well, we'll talk about boxing in a little bit, but there's also talks of the Bob Arum Empty Arena boxing fight. So, you know, I I, I'm in, I am interested to see what plays best in front of no crowd i mean it's an it's an interesting
1: thing you know what's funny is that when it comes to mma like i'm when i you know when i was like diving deep hardcore into like air you know every fight i would watch every Back fight. In the day. so yeah. like when you watch the prelims it's damn near empty arena right? oh yeah <laughs> so, for sure so, so i might not even realize it until till later but there's that you know that 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 organic energy that you're definitely going to miss when you know the, during the big fight entrances and you know and then during the fight when the action picks up definitely
0: um so just to kind of talk about a little stuff relating to the website and the podcast um I mentioned last week that I was going to do a redesign for the website that is still in full gear it's it's coming soon and what i've also decided to do is um we're going to kind of relaunch the website a, a, as well with uh, with content so uh got some folks who are in our fight game podcast group who are uh, interested in doing some writing and we'll get those guys who uh to to put some stuff up and so once the the redesign comes out there will be new content as well so that'll be really fun and you know the the main reason why i still continue the website is just cuz it sort of supports the podcast you know if if people do a search for our podcast in uh in Google you know they'll find the apple you know the apple podcast version they'll find you know the uh the spotify version but they'll also find the website and the website is is a place where uh we can sort of archive stuff and and have um you know the the the, the Families four podcast that i mentioned uh, that doing. And I did, and I, I I put all of that stuff on YouTube. And, and so, you know, just having those posts on fight game media about those fights, supporting those fights, like people will find that stuff. So um, we'll, we'll, we're going to get that going. It should be, it should be a fun thing to relaunch. I actually haven't we haven't really fully invested in that uh, in, in the website in, in quite a while. It's been several years. You know, I'd I've, I've been on and off writing, and I just did not have enough time to do it as much. But that, it'll be fun again to have con- daily content Monday through Friday. Um, the other thing that's kind of fun, uh, and you kind of have to be in the group to really uh, to really get into this, but we're going to try to do a group watch this weekend um 5 p.m pacific for those of us on the west coast so that those on the east coast can uh can watch but also the international folks from the uk it'll be it'll be it'll be pretty late for them but it's i think it'll be it'll be doable so we're gonna pick a old wrestling show to watch and uh it's it's in a poll i'm actually gonna redo the poll because the the actual uh, show that's winning is Crockett Cup 87. And we realize that the version on YouTube is the snipped out version from the video cassette release with like three Magnum TA <laughs> matches uh, tacked on. That's all you're going to find, too. I mean, there's some handheld yeah. footage out there of that show which is uh the main if- event is out there in full it may be on it may be on that show i, I don't know. i've never watched that tape so i don't exactly know what's on it it's on there but it's also edited down yeah so um so there's like a 15 minute version of that match on on youtube somewhere but um so the 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 ones that that we're going to choose from mtv's the brawl to end it all <laughs> which is, you know, I think it's 85, WWF on MTV. And this is the full show. This is not just the MTV version of that show. Uh, Clash of the Champions 18 uh, is on there. Uh, WWF from Madison Square Garden in September of 87 is up, as well as the WWF-SWS Super Wrestle Show from the Tokyo Dome in 1991. So we're choosing from those four shows to watch and the one that gets the most votes, we will try and watch it together on Saturday and have a thread going in the, in the, uh, the Facebook group and just kind of, you know, it sort of feels like the reason why we're doing it specifically at that time, it's cause it's like the time you would watch a pay-per-view. Um, and, and so the just to kind of, you know, couple hours in that day and, just kind of have some fun with, with your pals and with your friends. So if you are interested in uh, getting on board with that, just uh, join the Facebook group, which you can find in the pinned tweet uh, at Fight Game Media on Twitter. So uh, that's that's it for the intro stuff. Um, did you watch the uh, Dino Bravo Dark Side of the Ring? No, did not get a chance to watch. I was trying to make it a point to watch tonight,
1: but... Things got away from us with the kids, and they went to bed a little later than we expected, so
0: no go. How was it? It was well put together. If you didn't know the story, I think you would find it very interesting. But if you have read um, any of the stuff, any of the bios that have come out uh, on him, and and, I mean, you can go back to the bio from, I think it's 93, when he was uh, murdered and Meltzer had written the, the the bio all his bio had like everything in it on the show so the 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 dark side of the ring um there i guess the the actual investigation of the case is still open they pretty much have figured out you know why he was murdered but i don't think they really found out who it was and there's a little bit of mystery behind that but overall um Jacques Rougeau is a very good on it. He's tremendously entertaining. Uh, I want to see this guy on Raw every week just doing color commentary or something because he is so entertaining. Um, let's see. Uh, Dino Bravo's daughter, who would be in her... I believe she would be in her either probably her early thirties she's on it uh she doesn't speak english but she is uh she's very good and so is so is his wife or his widow um she she's also uh pretty pretty good there's you could tell there's a little bit of like um a i don't really want to revisit this kind of thing in in the, the the wife's comments uh Pat LaPrade is also in it. He's really good. He brings kind of the historical uh, piece of, of that, sort of like the Dave Meltzer uh, of the story. Um, who else is in it? Uh, Gino Brito, who is uh, someone who's very close <laughs> to Dino Bravo, I- is in it. Wow. Gino um, Brito.
1: Funny story about Gino Brito. Now, I don't know him personally, but uh, when I used to manage the uh, the Mafia in APW, Chris mm-hmm. Caglione and Vince DiMarco, our fictional trainer, in the in the in the in the in the dojo of in Italy was uh, Gino Brito for some reason. <laughs> I think I was doing play by play, and I just that name came to my head, and I just said Gino Brito. I might have just watching like an old Madison Square Garden mm-hmm. match with him in it. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, no one had a clue, but just maybe maybe the select historians who watched our DVDs and stuff knew who Gino Brito
0: was. Wow, that's funny. That's funny to it's funny to hear his name. Yeah. So I mean, you know, if you know the story. Um, I think it's interesting to watch just because if that, that the style of their show is, is, it's fun, you know, it's, it's the, you know, when we were kids, it was like unsolved mysteries, right? We would watch these shows and, um, you know, they would cut to commercial right when you're like at the edge of your seat and then they would come back and, and so it's, it's very, you know, the dark side is is very much like that show. So it's entertaining, um, and and it's a story that doesn't get a lot of play. Like, I, I, you know, if you talk to 20 wrestling fans, you know, I'm sure some of them would know how Dino Bravo died. But others would be like, oh, yeah, I don't you know, I don't really remember. Um, and it was, you know, he had gotten himself involved in uh, smuggling cigarettes and and probably, you know, probably even deeper as far as um, who his connections were with uh, maybe even deeper than cigarettes but uh, it was you know it was a it was a business deal gone wrong for sure and and uh, so you know when when there's tons of money involved and and it's a black market thing as it is and you know so it was kind of an it's kind of an interesting going in that way but I think the thing that interested me most is just the old um, the old international wrestling um uh, show that that he was booking and, and the Rougeaux's were on there as well mm. and just that that whole territory with you know Rick Martel and stuff I, that was the stuff that was interesting to me but you know I think all of them so far this year maybe except for the new Jack one were easily watchable and very entertaining cool yeah um, I still plan on watching probably gonna watch it tomorrow night sometime And, you know, if you have an Observer subscription, I would I would watch the show and then I would just read Dave's obit on it just to, you know, just to if you want to know the entire story as far as, you know, as far as we know, because it's still, you know, whoever whoever did the the job uh, is still unsolved. So I don't know, maybe if you ask a Gino Brito or Rick Martel, they probably have an idea who did it, but the person is still sort of unnamed. Um, okay, so let's talk about um, one more thing before we kind of get into the to the nuts and bolts of our normal show, which is talking about the Wednesday night wrestling and the We Want Flair stuff, which we're gonna finish with uh, Randy Savage and Ric Flair at WrestleMania Eight, um, and then uh, and then that's pretty much it for 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 this week. Not, I mean, you know, there's nothing as far as like WWE, like they had they they had their. Um, they had their call today so their investors call and you know i saw some stuff on there vince mcmahon came out uh i thought vince mcmahon was actually pretty human he was still like robotic vince but he that there was there were some human human characteristics to him in in the call i thought he did a pretty good job but um you know this is this is just days after the xfl stuff with oliver luck where he kind of he basically screwed Oliver Luck out of a lot of money. And uh, and I think that, I, I don't know, who knows if that story is really going to come out, come out. But, um, you know, Oliver Luck has a lawsuit out. And and if that stuff comes out, that'll be really interesting because, you know, Vince was, was, was very cutthroat in the way that he shut down the XFL. And uh, I do wonder how much that stuff comes out. We'll see. Um, okay, so uh, before we get to the rest of the show, I did want to bring up the Bob Aram story. He was on an uh, on a podcast called uh, "Gosh, what is the podcast called?" It, it's it's from uh, uh, Lance Pugmire and uh, let's see, Mike Cop, Mike Cop. What, what is his name? And, uh, two really two two of the athletic uh, boxing writers, uh, Mike Coppinger, I believe, is his name. So they do a podcast on The Athletic, I think it's called The Pug and The Cop or something like that. The The podcast in of itself, I don't find it to be great because they're both good, uh, pretty good boxing journalists and they both are, are good writers, but they're, that doesn't come across in in the podcast. So I don't generally listen, but there's, there's often really good information coming out of that podcast and, and they had Bob Aramon. And so if you think back to this has only been a, uh, maybe a month ago when Dana was first starting to talk about getting fights again. Bob Aram just flew off the handle and was like, this is so dumb. Dana is endangering people. What is he even thinking? And so you know, now it's almost time for him to think about doing this because, you know, he is also a, a businessman and a, and a, and a boxing promoter and, you know, the, he owes ESPN and, and, it, and he needs to make money for the, for the year too. So he is talking about, uh, getting back into fighting and he's, you know, he's very close ties to, uh, Las Vegas and the, um, the, uh, the commission in Las Vegas. And so he's trying to figure out like, what's a safe way to do boxing events. And he knows that he's going to get this comparison to Dana White because he basically lit into Dana White when this talk first started happening. But his, his, his differences is like, you know, Dana is, um, Dana's more of a cowboy. Like look who look look who he uh look who his friends are like President Trump. You know, we're we're looking to do this in in a very safe way and you know and and not not like a cowboy. So he's trying to differentiate himself from Dana by Dana's a little reckless and and we're going to do it in a very safe and smart way. And so he talked about you know the possibility of getting back and when, when they can get back in, in a safe way in Las Vegas. I think this is specific. He wants to get back in Las Vegas to do like multiple shows a week. But he also said that because of the travel ban, that he won't be able to bring over a lot of the international fighters and and you know some of those guys like Tyson Fury. Uh, you know th- those guys are some of his biggest draws. So he mentioned that you know especially in the in the beginning when they first get this thing going until the travel ban is lifted it may not be the biggest fights that he could possibly put on but he also mentioned that the fights that would get the really good gates as a big part of the revenue stream so sort of like uh, Wilder and Fury 2 which you know on pay-per-view i think it was probably slightly disappointing cuz it didn't get to a million but it still did like a 17 million dollar gate in Vegas so from that perspective it's like a money winner but he said fights like that you can't really do them in empty arena because the gate is such a big part of the uh, of the revenue stream, and you can't really make that up. So um, for those fights, they're probably not happening in the empty arena version of boxing. And he did say um, some of the fights that maybe they're maybe the the gate itself isn't the biggest driver. Uh, they may have to put those fights on pay-per-view. So something like a Teofimo Lopez versus uh, Lomachenko, where I think the boxing fans are like really, um, you know, they, they really want to see that fight. The casual boxing fan, you know, to bring out the 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 people, to bring out the main players, probably not, you know, not as interested. And so he said, you know, those in order to make up the fact that, you know, the loss of the gate they may actually have to put that on pay-per-view so i thought i just thought it was interesting you know he the, the, he is now at a point where i think he sort of he doesn't want to he's not going to agree with dana but he kind of understands where dana is and he's trying to babyface himself so that he doesn't look bad for some of those comments but um you know look i i dana was reckless and probably still is reckless but none of that stuff actually happened, thankfully. So, you know, nobody was was put in jeopardy. But uh, you know, Big Bob, he he's he's got stuff on the radar too. And, you know, like I said at the top of this show, part of the reason why I'm interested in some of this stuff, because I want to see what plays well. Cause I, you know, we we've seen we've watched the empty arena wrestling stuff for over a month now. And, you know, I, I know that you're able to kind of be okay with a lot of it based on the style, but I'm still struggling in watching this stuff. So I, I, I will, I, I would like to see how the boxing and the MMA stuff goes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to, I think they'll be fine. I think, I think it'll be watchable. It will be watchable. I think part of it will be our, just hunger for some kind of entertainment, you know, other than what we're getting now. But I think boxing and MMA plays out well, in, a, in an empty arena environment, I think I think definitely it's going to be like I said. I've seen many uh empty arena MMA fight before, uh, before yeah. the main cards start, and that never really affected my viewing of the, of the fight itself. So uh, boxing, a little different boxing. I don't think I've ever I think I've seen small crowds like like in the, like like a night, nightclub kind of a setting. I mean, the old ESPN shows back sure in the day. sure, but uh, nothing nothing empty so that, that'll that be interesting too as well but i think i think it'll play out fine uh for uh for that empty arena no fans in attendance for sure
0: okay so we'll get to the uh discussion on the wrestling of the week that we watched and uh, then we'll get to what we want flair but before that uh of course we got to talk about our friends bet online like john and i've been talking about no NBA, NHL, or MLB, though we did have the draft just tonight. You might think there's nothing to bet on, but you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on from their online casino to poker and blackjack. They're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has a live daily Madden NFL. Twenty simulations that you can bet on. Uh, in addition to the UFC stuff that that I was just uh, that I was just talking about, you can also bet on uh, on other sports simulations. So I just saw today that you can bet on um, Major League Baseball simulations. So they have the uh, they have the pitcher, they have the team, and you know the the. Uh, who the who the favorite is and who the underdog is, and I'm guessing I'm not 100 percent sure, but I, I my guess is that they they uh are using some sort of simulation service. I don't think it's MLB The Show, which is what Major League Baseball is using to do their like you know Hunter Pence against whoever is playing uh, on the show. I think there's like some actual you know maybe Baseball Reference or something. So they're doing some some cool stuff uh, with that. If you just if you're just kind of like you know waiting waiting for baseball can't wait for baseball um and you can still bet on survivor and big brother and american idol and i was wondering how american idol was going to be done they're doing in house american idol starting this week they have the top 20 everyone got like some gimmicks to of like recorders and lights and cameras and they're going to be doing their songs from their house and Katy Perry and uh, Lionel Richie and I forget the country guy, but they're gonna do their uh, they're gonna do their voting <laughs> and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's gonna be quite interesting to see virtual American Idol. Also, stock prices and even the hot dog eating contest all open 24 hours a day and all online. Promo code Blue Wire to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering service. And I just wanted to kind of. Uh, bring up the MMA odds because if you wanted to to go to bet online and, and bet on some MMA, uh, you'd have to bet... Uh, so, Henry Cejudo is a minus-235 favorite against Dominic Cruz. Uh, Tony Ferguson is a minus-170 favorite against Gaethje. And Nganu is a minus-280 favorite over uh, Rosenstruck. The fight that was kind of interesting to me is uh because i think it's more of a of a coin toss than maybe those other fights is uh, michelle watterson and Carlos Barza? michelle watterson is a plus 122 so it'll be interesting to see if those odds even change because you know with so little information about training and about injuries um also you know who knows what the weigh-in will look mm-hmm. like like can you imagine if they're gonna make weight yeah have like how does that affect this stuff so Keep an eye on it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some some money on some of these fights. I'm I'm so interested to see if it's easier or hard. I'm guessing it's gonna be harder actually because there's so many uh, variables that are unknown. But uh, but yeah, so check out Bet Online. Yeah, Bet Online. He's also put on there like, will your Doordash or Instant Cart person
1: wear <laughs> wear masks or gloves? Like you know, that's what they should because that's like one of that's like one of our favorite games in this house. <laughs> we, do, we do like. Um, we do like you know support local businesses for like you know usually, usually Friday nights, but oh yeah, oh, yeah. You know, stuff like Absolutely.
0: that, and, and, uh, and you I, know. that's a that's a big deal. Like you know, I, I know it's I know it's a tiny bit risky to do that, but it's a big deal. You can't you know the businesses are are suffering uh, badly in yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. We have our of our favorite restaurants we like to
1: order from and you know, help them out as you know. But but we have like a you know we used to just had Instacart come for some groceries, and it's like it's always like because we had the nest we could see when they're coming up and they're dropping off the door and so my wife's always like not wearing a mask but they got the gloves <laughs> or no you know it's just like it's like it's just kind of funny i was just thinking about every time like okay i'm gonna see what you know what's she gonna say so now i'm like thinking man it's this should be on bet online because you know that's a good game to play like will these people be wearing a mask or gloves or both and that'd
0: be amazing you know just yeah just, that's so funny like um in the beginning of this like when this first started a lot of the DoorDash, we we use DoorDash uh, a lot. Uh, DoorDash, especially on, on on the weekends, mostly when the kids are here, we don't really use use it that much. But, um, they they would come right up to the door and like knock on the door and want like want to like hand you the thing, and we're like, nope, you know, you can leave it just just leave it on the porch. That's fine. We'll we'll come and you know we'll get it. Well, they have but, the option on there just to select. No, no, no. I know, but in the like, like right when this started, like you know, it hadn't changed enough to where you know they were they still wanted to give like the best service possible. So uh, you know that 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 was interesting to see the change from then until now. And now you know they're just like you know even Amazon, right? Because you're still ordering stuff on Amazon. They're like they'll just like knock on the door and go Amazon, and then they'll just leave. (laughs) Like they know like. And these Amazon readers do not read signs that say, just throw it over the fence in the
1: back fence. Like, they'll just, like, ring the doorbell and drop it off. Or, like, there's a sign right there that my wife
0: put up. Like, just throw it over the fence. We're okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, I like, uh, you know, uh, people are like, ah, oh, you know, it's sort of dangerous. And, 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 and I'm sure there's still a small danger and you still have to be very safe and you have to wipe things down. And you have to wash your hands. But there is a positive to that because you, you, like you said, supporting the local businesses, but also the DoorDash folks, right? Like, like think about Uber and Lyft. Who is Ubering and Lyfting right now? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Well, there's some people
1: still, I know I have some guys in our warehouse, they were just, you know, <laughs> they're coming from far and they're like, lifting to work or Ubering to work. I can't even believe it. But uh, I don't know, they're still doing that right now. But it's, yeah, yeah, who is? That's, that's the best of business, definitely, definitely suffering.
0: Yeah, and so, you know, there's there there's reasons, there's 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 really good reasons to to try and still, you know, support those folks as much as possible. Like I know uh for uh our our housekeeper who 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 comes uh once a week, um, you know, we're here all day and we're doing all the cleaning, mm-hmm. but we don't want her to not be able to do this in the future. So we're, you know, we, we, we gave her money before this thing happened. And I think we're going to give her some more money just because, you know, you want those people to be able to stay on their feet as, as much as they can. And that's a, that's a tough one. Like uh, also, I know your wife probably cuts your hair, but my cousin has been cutting my hair since I was 18. So that's a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, I need to figure out how to send him some money. But you know, he's pretty old school, so he doesn't have like the Vimeo or the PayPal. <laughs> so I got to figure out like a creative way. Maybe I'll send him a check or something. I gotta get extra cash. I gotta get my wife to kind
1: of put out a YouTube video like how to properly like wipe down groceries and food from DoorDash because she's like an expert at that. Man, she's like she has it all down. She has a whole system. It's it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty funny, but it's also pretty awesome at the same time. Like you know. Feel pretty safe when she, when food or groceries come to the house, and she takes care of it. But there's a risk involved too. There's also a risk like going out. Like, you know, like now I, yeah, before I was like going to the grocery store, getting a couple things. Now I'm like, I'm not even allowed to. Well, you know, she won't let me do that. She's like, we'll just, <laughs> we'll just, we'll just, we'll just enter card. And I'm like, I just, just want to go and get out. But, <laughs> but it's also very stressful when you get all,
0: go and get out and go to the grocery store as well. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm uh, we do, we do groceries about once every 10 days. And we really load up to, to try and make sure that we don't have to go back very often. But yeah, you know, you got to wear the mask and you got to wear the gloves and people forget sometimes when they're there. So they're getting really close to you and you got to be like, peace, you know, let's 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 create some distance here. Um, You know, one of the grocery stores, the uh, the grocery, uh, this was a couple weeks ago. But, you know, the the conveyor belt when you put your groceries on, like there's a sign that says do not put your groceries on until the uh, the cashier tells you. Mm-hmm. And you know, people are just in you know or mechanical, right? They're just in robot mode, and they're not reading signs, and they're not seeing. And you see, see people like put to stuff, and the cashiers got to be like very adamant, like no, like stop, like don't, like they can't be nice about it, right? Because this is like kind of like a life or death situation in a sense, yeah. And and so you know, you see people just like get stopped in their tracks, and they got to remember where they are. And they go, okay. I'm sorry. I, I wasn't paying attention. You know, because you because the worst thing to do is react in a really negative way. Because this is ju- these are just the rules right now. Anyways, we we, we went off tangent a little bit, but let's talk. S- com- well, we'll say though, real quick though.
1: I I mean, it's been pretty. The people have been really nice out. At the grocery stores, oh, this one lady mad dogged me the whole time. Like she was like eyeing me the whole time. Like we like, I don't know because we found ourselves like each other like the same aisle all the time. And I was like, dude, I'm not stalking you. I'm just trying to get my stuff and get the hell out. was like <laughs> looking at me, maybe trying to take my temperature. I don't know what the hell she was doing, but other than that, though, everyone's been like really nice and and polite. And so I don't know how it is out there, everyone else, but my experience has been okay so far. It's been it's been good so far for the most part.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, you know, well, the social distancing stuff needs to continue happening, you know, unless uh, Donald Trump's uh, injecting people with disinfectant. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, who knows what's going to come up next? What a nut job. Um, okay, well, let's move on. We don't need to mix politics with uh, our podcast here. Um, okay, so let's talk about Wednesday Night Wrestling, or actually, you know, maybe you watch some on Monday. Uh, I, I don't know. But, um, I did not watch Raw. I did have eight, both AEW and NXT going on in the background, so I was I'm, I'm pretty familiar with what happened on those shows. But give me your highlights and then give me your low lights. Uh which one do you want first? Let's go. Let's start
1: positive. Oh, so in NXT, <laughs> NXT. NXT I found to be really enjoyable. I thought it was uh really fast moving. I think the 2 hours for me flew by. Um, I really enjoyed the show overall. There's some uh, stuff I liked. I liked the Drake Maverick stuff, his promo in the beginning before his match. I liked the match he had with Jake Atlas. Um, you know, Neeson, Kushida was a good match. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the, uh, I didn't like the execution of the Balor angle. I thought that could have been a little explained a little more, but it it was fine. Um, I liked... Uh, overall like the whole show uh, there's nothing that really the only thing I didn't really like I kind of did not like was the the post Drake Maverick promo I don't know if you saw that like he's in the staircase he's
0: he's down and out because he lost and he's being been interviewed that a so I don't think so I did see I did see the uh I did see Jake's program uh, promo at the end mm-hmm. which it was a little bit weird because he said he was rooting for Drake but he was also facing him in the ring yeah that yeah. was a little weird they had I think, better- I, think he, I think he meant what he meant was he is rooting for jake or i'm sorry uh for drake in the sense of drake's kind of going through some tough times right now so he's kind of rooting for him in that way but it just it just was a little weird considering he just faced him in a match
1: yeah i felt like they kind of didn't like how it came off in my opinion because they actually filmed something for like WWE.com, mm-hmm. where like they're talking to jake atlas outside the arena and then like he kind of notices you know drake maverick you know with his rolling bag and going to his car and he kind of like stops the interview runs over starts talking to him and, mm-hmm. and i thought that was really good stuff but you know something they probably could they probably weren't going to show it next week but something they could show it on the tv show i think they would be good um i thought that was uh you know that, that the, his promo at the end was a miss i thought like his i just thought his his uh reaction wouldn't be like that I think he
0: would react a different way but uh, I, he was more I, somber and I, yeah so and, here's here's what I thought I thought he was thinking too much and I I don't know like I I literally know nothing about sort of the process of what he was doing but I thought he was sort of fighting his natural reaction to what he was he would have said and was trying to you know, give off the promo that he was supposed to give off, but it looked like he was a little conflicted in the words that he actually said. But, you know, you know, the one thing that stands out because I was, this was something that I was a little interested in when it came to him, his poise as a promo. Like, I I mean, I've seen him cut some promos on the indie level, but, you know, his his actual uh what he was really great at is just his athleticism and and his matches and stuff so i was wondering how he's going to adapt to that that standpoint i didn't like the promo in of itself but from a poise standpoint he was way better than i thought he would have been at this t- in his time in wwe you're talking about jake, Drake or jake Atlas? jake jake yeah, yeah 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 jake's good jake's a, he's
1: He's a good promo if he gets the opportunity to, to talk. He you know he's a genuine guy. Um, he's a uh, you know great athlete as we as we know. Um, I wasn't sho- I wasn't shocked about that. I've been I've been on the Jake Atlas train for a very long time, and uh, he's something special. And I hope the um, I hope they they capitalize on it. And it's, it shows something that they're giving him this opportunity to be, you know, in this tournament early oh, yeah. early on. So and I thought that he did a great job um i thought i kind of like i kind of i'm kind of digging this tournament it's kind of it's fun to me i like round robins and it's cool i, I think the drake maverick storyline really adds to it um and you know and it just gives you some all good matches even though the phantasmo and um gallagher match was i thought it was good but it was um, okay. the first okay. time working together too you know so and then and so maybe that was like the, the reason it wasn't like as good as it probably could have been, but you know, Fantasmo's is his first match in and um, on these TV, and um, we'll see how he does the rest of the tournament. It's been and that, and also didn't like the angle with the Luchadors attacking him. That was kind of weird, and but um, we'll see what they're gonna do with that. Because I always thought he was gonna be the leader of that group. I don't know if he still is, or it's just a bait and switch thing, or, or what they had planned with it. I don't know. I'm sure I'm really high on the, this Luchador gang group <laughs> you know i don't mm-hmm. know i don't, I don't mm-hmm. but, but i'm gonna let it play out and another highlight to me what i, sh- I thought what i wasn't gonna like when i first started airing it was a gargano and candace LeRae <laughs> promo at first i thought like oh, i don't know this, but it was kind of cool how they did it and um i got a kick out of some things like the jock strap on the table which oh, yeah. was totally out there um i wasn't really digging um candace laray's makeup choice for this uh you know they're trying to know that she's a heel and and i but i i ended up liking it i like the I, I, I didn't know if i was gonna like the special effects they put on it but I, it added to the promo so i, mm-hmm. I was fine with it when, it when it ended, I was like wow that's actually pretty good um and a big miss i thought too was the whole mia yim charlotte stuff i thought they could have maybe done a little little bit better with that situation but Char- not- charlotte is pushing
0: that on social media a lot a lot more than i would have thought pushing with the storyline just the match, she's like, I forget what she said. You know, several years in the making, or five years in the making, or whatever. And so she she's really making that a big deal. Yeah, yeah, and
1: and you know she had a great, I mean, she always has great presence when she walks out. I mean, I wasn't really into Mia's reaction at the end. You know, that kind of like listening. It's just a way the WWE does a lot of stuff. They always like the people look in the far distance and things end, which kind of kind of drives me nuts. But uh, but overall, I like the show. I thought it was uh, was a pretty good two hours. Did you watch any Raw? Um, yes, I watched uh, the first about hour of it, and I got busy with stuff at work, so I couldn't, couldn't finish it.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to watch Raw. I mean, this is before everything happened. My, my goal was to watch Raw through WrestleMania, and then after WrestleMania, I wasn't going to be too hard on myself if I missed. And I've not watched... I think I watched... I watched maybe an hour of the post-wrestlemania raw but I've not watched anything since then. I'm just listening to, you know, Dave and Brian's recaps on uh, uh on Tuesday morning. That's how I'm kind of keeping up with it. But yeah, I'm just I'm not interested in it because it's it's sort of like a, a um a balanced thing. I still like the NXT AEW stuff better than I than I uh not 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 as far as a better show cuz sometimes raw is a better show even in this empty arena uh, new world but just from the perspective of i kind of know what i'm going to get with raw and i obviously know what i'm going to get with smackdown like smackdown is sort of like la- the bottom of the, of of the barrel for priority for me but i still don't know exactly what AEW and NXT is going to give me cuz i still feel like there's a little bit of you know there's still a little bit of competition there and and you you know you can see in the ratings too like you know NXT had won the overall average ratings for the last 2 weeks even though AEW won the won the demos but um this week AEW was ahead again. I, I'm I I don't I don't have a good gauge on why. I'm not sure anybody does. You know I'm I'm reading Meltzer's uh, analysis on, on the ratings, and you know I think I think we've figured out that you know long matches during uh, this time aren't great for ratings. So uh, I'm not I'm not sure, but I know you know people are trying to you know both companies are probably interested in in trying to maximize the ratings. Obviously, even even now. But uh but yeah so you know Wednesday night is still the more interesting night to me so if I'm going to if I'm going to make a point or make it a priority it's going to be Wednesday night.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And AEW, I was pretty frustrated with the show honestly it was driving me nuts. I thought a lot of things wasn't working for me. Um I thought a lot of the matches weren't that good. And yeah, that was one Can I Can can I, of the pre- can, I pre-
0: can I like say what you know ex exclaimate what you said? you said for you cuz i know a lot of people you know who like that show th- this is just for you. like this is just your style what you like about wrestling like you know when we talk about this stuff you and i for the most part i would say if we said what is our favorite style of wrestling it would we would be pretty close but there's another layer to that which is what am i sort of what can i deal with versus what frustrates you and i think that gap is a little bit wider but i want to just make the point that you know this is you you said it for your style for your taste that wasn't your show cuz people a lot of, i i know a lot of people like that show i didn't like it i didn't hate it i get why you you were frustrated with it but you know i i know people kind of get up in arms about he the guy he said his taste it's his taste oh yeah i mean yeah, this is all our taste,
1: but for me it was just like yeah, for me it was a a really bad show. I I am shocked even won the rings. Like who would want to watch that? But I guess there's people that are watching it, but I don't know, I'm just like really frustrated with the whole what they're doing. But I know they they take this stuff way in advance, so they can't really adjust too much on the fly anymore, you know, with their with their products. So it's already in the can, they're going with it, but I thought a lot of the matches were overall pretty bad. I know the big topic was uh, people were talking about Omega and um, as Andy Angels. That was that kid's name. Yeah, that the, the uh, Shivani and Jericho were sort of trying to Eagles figure out Angels on the fly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of people were uh, talking about that match, and 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 some people were upset because Omega let the kid kick out of the V trigger, and yeah. you know, and some people were you know defending it, but. I mean, in, in my opinion, like, I personally would, wouldn't want to book that either. I wouldn't be like, hey, you know, I wouldn't have the guy kick out of that. Especially how devastating that V-Trigger. Actually, V-Trigger was uh, nasty. It looked better than the one he finished him with. Like, mm-hmm. he should have just pinned him with the first V-Trigger. And now, I don't know if they have any ideas for this kid. I don't know that. So, I'm kind of holding back on my opinion on this until I see what they do with this kid. If... If maybe he's going to be someone they're going to, you know, they, they found a little uh, diamond in the rough and he seemed like a good athlete and he seemed like, uh, I liked his, um, the way he, uh, his facials in the ring, over his overall, he had a little bit of oversell, but for the most part, like how he carried himself in the ring, he felt a little, he was, he looked confident in there, this, this Angels kid. So I think they could probably do something with him. I'd like to see him get some muscle on him and. Get a tan and maybe change up a little bit of his. I don't know if he's he's, he's just he's completely bald because he kind of looks like uh Stu Stu Grayson <laughs> from the um the from order. the Dark Order, so he kind of looks just like him. So I, I think he can kind of change his look and and do something with that. I think uh you know I think they, I think he fits their style really well. Um, so I was impressed by him. So I'm not I'm not too angry about that. It's not like Sean Spears kicking out of two uh, uh, crossroads like that was just ridiculous when Sean Spears is just a mid card guy, you know, like Cody has to I know Cody wanted to probably have this great main event style match, but like at the same time, like you really got to do you just don't do that for a mid card guy. Do it for a guy that you're really going to do something with. And we obviously always seen that they're not doing anything with Sean Spears anyways. So
0: um, so let me, let me give you my quick thoughts on that. Because I, when I started watching this match, uh, my, my, in, my immediate thought was Omega's going to give this guy a lot. He's not going to finish this guy in two minutes. And the reason why I thought that is because a, I think Omega wants to have good matches. He's kind of a mark for that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And b, I think th- I think he knew, or they knew. And I'm, not, I'm not even saying this may, this was his idea, but I think they know that if they do something that goes against the grain, people will talk about it, and if this was a sort of a trolling the WWE fans and the Jim Cornettes and other folks who were just, you know, anti-AEW for for certain things, if this was just a way to get those folks talking about AEW, I actually think it it was kind of brilliant in that way. For the Kenny Omega character, it obviously is not great for him, but I also... You know, I'm all. I think we look at Kenny Omega as like the top guy or the top baby face or one of the top baby faces. And I don't think they. I don't think he sees himself like that right now. I think he sees himself as the tag team champion versus the, you know, the the best bout machine that he was in New Japan. And I think you know, I think there's a good chance that they were like, how you know, how can we get people talking? Well, here's a way. I'm gonna like give this kid everything and this is not new the 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 difference is is i usually you would usually see this with heels not baby faces so you'd see like rick flair have like a an actual competitive match with someone who may not be a contender or triple i remember triple h had a match with uh maybe like the brooklyn brawler or something on raw and it's like a competitive match and you're like what the hell some of it is like Slip on a banana peel stuff, mm-hmm. but um, I mean, you don't usually see it with a baby face, you just see the baby face kind of run over him. But I, I do wonder if there's a little bit of like a trolling aspect, a little, a little being the elite, like kind of goofing on you know, fans and stuff. Kind of, I, I think there there's there had to have been something to that because um. They got the they got people talking like all, all of a sudden I see people going crazy on on Twitter about Kenny Omega why didn't he just beat him with the first v trigger like that was like that was an actual topic on Twitter so it got people talking I don't know if it's great for his character, but I also don't think he takes himself as seriously as maybe we want him to take himself to be that guy and that just may be his own perspective on on what he's trying to do it was funny because when I saw the the
1: the the Twitter conversation about this match, the match I was more frustrated with it was the Warlord match. I thought, I thought like, he, you know, that match was poorly done. Whoever laid that match out, I mean, that kid threw a dropkick that stumbled Warlow, and that should be his only spot. That is the only thing he should get on Warlow. Nice little dropkick that stumbles the big man, and then the big man should crush him. But later on, he goes to zero to hero. He's flipping out of stuff. He's hitting the ropes, and they have a really... I don't know what agents are there during this time, but like, God, man, they're like really bad at booking squash batches and like, I guess the traditional sense, but, but they're not traditional. I mean, they're traditional, but it's the right way they do them. I think they're really poor. Ada is really poor at at that in my, in my opinion.
0: And, and you know, uh, what I wonder is also is if you, if you are pre-taping stuff, you're probably in in your pre-tape thinking, let's go longer than we normally would go because we can always edit down to the time that we need, but we can't actually create more footage. So what I wonder is, is if in some of these matches, they were just like, go, you know, we need, you know, we need eight minutes or whatever when the better match is actually a three minute match, but because you're pre-taping everything and you're trying to jigsaw puzzle these shows together Sometimes you may just go, oh, we need to leave the long version of this match in because we're short otherwise. Like, that's another aspect to what they're doing is, you know, Tony Khan and Cody and the Buck. And, the, you know, look, the Bucks aren't even there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Kenny, they've never had to do, you know, for for one thing, you know, they never had to do live TV before in the way that they're doing it. But they've also never had to, like, tape five weeks of television and then jigsaw puzzle shows together for those 5 weeks my my guess is the next time that they do that it'll it'll probably be a little bit tighter a little bit better some of these matches may not be as long like you know we talked about that uh, that Moxley match from last week that was just so long but uh, i think i think they'll get better at it and and it's it's hard to be critical during this time because everybody is like trying to create something out of nothing and uh, it'll be interesting to see if they do, if they do learn from some of the critiques that they're getting during this time. Yeah, and then, you know, Jimmy Havoc and Orange Cassie is like
1: nail, like oh man, god. <laughs> now we gotta watch it's this of crap. Your least favorite guy. Oh <laughs> my god, they should. <laughs> that match was just to troll you. They literally booked it to troll you. I know. Like, are they just trying to piss, piss the world off? I don't know. Some people like this stuff, but I, that, that match, like the finish was so ridiculous completely ridiculous so what's her name uh uh kip Savin's girlfriend gosh what's her name
0: penelope penelope
1: Penelope's she poor. comes who they're and they're like a trio right with yeah. jimmy havoc i think they live in the same apartment together which was pointed out they live in an apartment together they don't live in a house together like <laughs> stuff like that just drives me insane and she comes off the top rope and like does like a little somersault which for some reason distracts Jimmy Havoc, where he goes, oh my god, are you okay? But he, like, she clearly did a nice somersault, right? Uh, I'm sure he trains in this girl, let's hope. Well, I don't know if Jimmy Havoc really trains, but, but like, you know, he's probably brooding and, you know, thinking of ways to he's men- torture. He's
0: men- mentally training.
1: Yeah, he's mentally training. But I'm sure he knows that she could do a nice somersault top rope. And he's, like, distracted, and he gets beat, and it's like, oh, god. and then what follows that up, even worse than the match, was that promo with the best friends and Orange Cassidy, like what was that like that was who let that air my god it was like so bad chucky t just don't let him talk just don't put him on just don't even put him on tv i don't know why people think this guy is so great i just don't understand why it's like maybe because they have to have it maybe because they have Trent. they have to have chucky i don't know it's just (laughs)
0: it's just well i will tell you um and, and I I don't think I'm outing him in any way here, but uh, Antonio Promise Thomas texted me during the, the Cassidy match, or, or it may, might have been during the Omega match, but we, we had started talking about Cassidy, and he was saying that, you know, the gimmick is the gimmick, but as an actual worker, he thinks Cassidy's really good, and he's actually wrestled Cassidy before. We know Brian Alvarez has wrestled Cassidy before, mm-hmm. and, and I told him, I said, I I can completely understand that, but it's the gimmick that pulls me out of the match just about every time, like just the actual gimmick. And he's like, yep, totally get it. I I totally see where you're coming from. So, you know, when I, when I talk about Cassidy, it's not the fact that, oh, he's such a bad wrestler or he's just Mm -hmm. not believable, blah, blah. It's really just the the gimmick that I have not become accustomed to. And I think that, you know, I think, when when you talk to people who've actually worked him, the reason they stick up for him is because they think he's actually good. But to some of the the fans, the gimmick is what actually pulls people out of the match. It's the gimmick. It definitely is the gimmick
1: that hurts because he could do some great stuff when he when he gets going. And this match wasn't as bad as other matches I've seen him have. Honestly, it wasn't that bad because he didn't really do his faint kicks or those like little weak kicks and stuff like that. That kind of was all that was kind of pushed back a little bit, but. Um, but yeah, then it then then it just keeps going. It's just, the show keeps going, and then we get the it is no, it is enough segment with the uh, inner circle,
0: the the oh the bubbly uh, the, team, the, the yeah the bubbly bunch, the bubbly bunch, and I'm just like man, I. I, I I'm still a fan of the Bubbly Bunch. I I get a kick out of it. This is their it, top heel group, though.
1: They're just they're just like I said. They used to they kind were kind of cool. They're kind of edge. Now they're just 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 being goofballs. Like I said, I think they just got to dumb I, it down. Outside of Swagger, I think they're all kind of goofballs, though. Right? Well, not in the beginning. Jericho wasn't a goofball. He I mean he was set on his toes sometimes and do some stuff but like for the most part the pain maker was a badass heel and the leader you know the leader of the you know he had he felt like something now he just feels like a like a, like a parody of himself and it just frustrates me he just it's just too goofy. it's just way too goofy for me i'm not getting it um i think they're just trying i know they're trying to make something out of nothing but i think there's just the way other things that he could have done in my opinion with these I, guys
0: I, I mean i i think when we get back to fans and when we get back to the stuff meaning whatever it's supposed to mean. I think the pain maker can come back. I just think in the, in this time, there's no reason for him to be the pain maker because he's got to be kind of, especially in the role of the announcer, like he's got to be the voice of, you know, fun or That's, that's, whatever. He can still be him. He can still be...
1: Trish Jericho, the pain maker, and do and call these matches, and he can have his own personality in there, and have fun, but nothing the not like these segments that drive me nuts. Like, like I said, him, Chris Jericho yelling at a drone, recruiting a drone to join the inner circle was just all that stuff. But maybe it's like he has to do it because like this is such an outrageous uh, story with him and Matt Hardy because Matt Hardy's gimmick is just totally out
0: there. Maybe he has to kind of like dumb things well, down. Well, you or, know, you got to what you got to remember is. Jericho has said in the past, like, you know, I come from a school where, you know, everything is done a specific way. And he said, you know, when someone did something outside of that way, like the young bucks, you know, originally your, your intuition is to just say that that's wrong. And he took the other way, which is he said, look, I'm constantly trying to learn and i'm constantly being open to things and i'm looking at crowd reactions and so when i watch the young bucks wrestle and i see people say they're doing it wrong and then i look at the crowd reaction and i see the opposite i'm going to learn from that so i think in in most cases like like it, like if this was a normal time and he, they weren't having to make up stuff i think i think you're you're right he would still kind of lean towards that pain maker character, or a little bit more serious of a Jericho. But I think what he also realizes is this is not really a time and in, in, in place to be this vengeful, uh, heel who's like cutthroat because it's not really me, like nothing means anything right now. Like, I, I, it's almost like I mean, it still should mean something. You still got stories to build to. We can't but, just but like, lay down while we're waiting for. This, you know, start doing but but we can go back to WrestleMania, right? Like all the baby faces won. And there's a most of the baby faces won. And there's a reason for that is because you don't want to have the dastardly heel be the, the one who gains everything in this time. It's just not it's just not kind of the 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 time to do that. Now there will be a time when we got fans back, when, you know, hopefully sooner than later, though I'm not quite sure about that, where you where you can do your your normal thing. But I think he understands from like a human standpoint, the pain maker will, will, will be there when we're sort of back in our normal thing. But right now, people are just kind of frustrated and at ease and, you know, and, and not at ease, I mean, and they just want to sort of have fun for, for two hours. And so I get that perspective. And because visibility and people actually watching the show is actually pretty low right now, I don't think it's that bad of a thing for him to lean into that. You know, the, the they're doing probably, uh, you know, I don't know, 200,000 uh, less viewers than they were doing before the uh, pandemic started. So, You know, I think what I think what happens is, is we sort of figure out when we're going to get back into the swing of things. And when we do, then they can go do all the things that all the creative things that they were doing. But for someone like Jericho, he's a performer, like he understands the time and the place. And while it may not be best for sort of the wrestling version of his character, for the human person of Chris Jericho or Chris Irvin, I think this is the way to go because he understands that people don't really need to be frustrated by him. They need to kind of be entertained by him. I think what's happening in
1: AEW is like there's so much goofiness. There's just too much of it. And I need something with some meat and potatoes. Like it just gave me a bunch of garbage. Well, I mean, you had Dustin in the main event. And that was a fine match. But it wasn't anything that's like, oh man, this is like, I'm talking about like the main event stuff, the real, the real thick of it, you know, like, and all of a sudden, like, why is Dustin putting his career online? What happened? <laughs> like all of a sudden he's like, he's, uh, he, this is his last ride all of a sudden. Like what the heck did they, why, what did this come out of it? I think it's just something they probably needed to spice up the match. I don't know what it was this interesting to me. And uh, him talking about Chris I like I love his uh, Kip Saban. Uh, oh man, this kid's good. I'm like, this guy's been losing and been <laughs> slapped around by women and punked out by Cole Cabana, which we haven't seen that match, even though they set up something. Like it's just it's just kind of crack, cracking me up. I did like the the Scorpio Sky vignette. that was, yeah, that, was cool. that, that was really good. But also, I started thinking like, man, this should have had this like before his match with Jericho. You know, earlier when they on their when they first started the show remember he had that title match Mm -hmm. that that would have been a great little feature on him leading up to the title match it would have meant something more but uh but yeah yeah that stuff like you know like like I said like very frustrated this show very frustrated this one
0: I I mean I'm having a, a hard time holding NXT or AEW super accountable for you know, any real like not not to say that it's not canon. I think I mentioned that uh, in in a thread on our on our podcast group, but I, I I don't I'm I'm not like holding them to the same accountability that I did when this stuff was happening with fans. I think the idea of actually having wrestling with no fans is so ridiculous. <laughs> And I can't take it super duper seriously. I could think I could take it seriously when there's a good match in it. It sort of brings you out of that, like, you know, Jake Atlas and uh, his, his match with Drake Maverick. It wasn't a great match, but it was a good match. And it was somebody who I'm interested in seeing uh, in the future. So I I was, I was able to kind of pull myself out of the, out of that. But, you know, when I watch like the dream and, and Cole, I was like, uh, you know, whatever, this is just whatever to me. And, and I'm not going to hold that. I'm not going to hold both companies accountable for that because it's just a hard time for everybody. Um, and, you know, I, I'll, I'll start holding them accountable for it, you know, when we're back and when shows are happening for real. Like the fact that AEW is having this pay-per-view and they're going to try to charge, you know, whatever they charge yeah, for that's it. That's crazy. I'm like, oh, like we just did this with WrestleMania. What are you know? they going to they There's a price point even came out for that yet. I mean, do you can you change it? Like, you I, I'm expecting that I, I, they're probably expecting like half or maybe even less than half mm-hmm. of their normal buys. And so, if you're expecting that, then you might as well charge the same price. Cause if you're only going to get half, then you may as well get the most of it, you know. I
1: can't even imagine. I can't imagine you paying that much for that. That's going to be, I might be going to have to skip <laughs> for sure.
0: And, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I get it. That's, it's a real thing, you know, to, and, and, you know, it's it interesting. They, they did the little, uh, I don't know, the little 30 second commercial for it. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I could think of was, man i had tickets to that show you know that's, yeah, that's the only yeah. thing i
1: could think of was uh, but and a lot of people are bummed out just completely bummed but, but you know bummed about WrestleMania this year i mean just uh just, well who,
0: who knows what's gonna happen next year if there will be it might be in the same situation next year well well vince had an interesting comment i don't know if people caught this but when they were talking about what the normal is he was mm-hmm. like maybe it's not football stadiums it it may just be arenas still by mm-hmm. then. Yeah. So he's he's not sold on the idea that, you know, when we actually get fans back that they're going to be able to do these big these big stadium shows again. So that'll yeah. be interesting.
1: No, no, I caught that too and I think he's ahead of the game in a sense like about the future and and what live events will be if there will be live events. You know coming up in the future and and how long that's going to take to ramp up and and are oh, we going to have these shows again like that so yeah he's definitely looking towards the future for sure and what to do
0: next all right so let's talk about um Let's talk about the last segment of our we want Flair Flair versus Randy Savage project that we've been working on for the last couple weeks. This is the uh, this is the the, the match we're going to talk about the match and then we'll talk about kind of the the aftermatch, the aftermath of that match. And this match is interesting cuz you know, I've seen this match so, so many times. But I want to say maybe maybe I've only seen it a couple times in like the the recent you know the most recent maybe five year stretch or whatever, and so like I, I was like trying to figure out like, I was trying to figure out when the finish was coming and I couldn't really pinpoint when the finish was coming, and uh, and I got surprised a little bit at the end because I was trying to think like what when did this thing when when did this and this happen so um I was uh, I, I had a I had a fun time really fun time watching it so much fun listening to Bobby Heenan and Gorilla too cuz Gorilla starts this, this match by just selling the shit out of it like he would only really sell Hogan matches you know as like this is like this is everything you 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 paid to see basically and so i i really like that part but the match in of itself really fun match um i think if if I, if i'm going to Think about how I saw it as uh, in 1992. I think I was just so jazzed that Ric Flair was doing this on a humongous stage on a WWE show. I, I was just sort of like mesmerized through the whole match. And I remember that feeling of just being like, I can't believe Ric Flair is doing a flare flop on the outside of the ring on a WWF WrestleMania, you know that's kind of like that was kind of like my my thought when I when I was watching it. Do you remember watching it and and just you know what your thoughts were way back when? Uh, and then sort of compared to now when you when you did watch it again recently?
1: Yeah, actually I watched this one live, just this match live, uh, two matches live on the show. I watched this match and the Hogan to Justice match live. Um, I would know I was at my friend Chad's house. I had my tape record, my, my VHS <laughs> tape in and we were out shooting hoops in front of his house and my friend chad was really into basketball and and playing for a league so he was we're always out there just shooting hoops and you know i was hanging out and shooting and it was like all right i gotta go back in and watch and make sure i watch this match because rick flair and we all went in and took a break and watched that match and uh, i remember just it being a great match and then rewatching it again it was still great i mean i've watched it a few times of course since i first saw it but uh Still fantastic. Both guys' styles really clashed really well, and um, um, Savage was awesome. Uh, you know, he was. I you know I think he was you know winning the championship. He knows this is an opportunity to be on top again. So you know he just had everything going, and and he was doing all these great bumps and making Flair look so great. And Flair was make bubble around for him. It was just a great, great match. It was definitely one of the best matches and wrestlemania history and still holds up today as a great match like it doesn't it doesn't lose anything they watching it now
0: it's really good the showmanship is amazing flair is doing everything that he ever did in wcw though i will say that a match like ricky steamboat and rick flair is a little bit different from this match because this match was you know more of like uh you know Randy was really angry with Rick. So it wasn't a, as much of a contest as it was like a how dare you talk about my wife kind of thing. And so it was a little bit different but um so we can actually kind of dig through it now. But um the Fink introduction, I like, you know, just thinking about it. We talked a little bit about the Fink at the end of the last show. But just hearing that voice again, like it, it like it just hit me, like I didn't even realize, and, and I'm sitting there listening to the introductions, and I was like, "Oh my God, like that's the fink." yeah, and it was, it was so perfect. The way that he introduced both of these guys was so perfect, and uh, that that sets the tone and, and really, like, if you think about wrestling today, and and wCW did this fairly well in the Nitro era where. They made the the main events stand out so that the the announcer, you know, Michael Buffer or whoever was back then, he was kind of in the spotlight. And so those are memorable calls, especially when he calls people by the wrong name, like Brett Clark. Hmm. Um, But, you know, today I don't feel like the announcer, the ring announcer calls are all that memorable and yep. um, I know Justin Roberts is trying to be memorable in AEW. He's trying to do some <laughs> creative thing. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I don't know how he can be when you got Jim
1: Ross makes fun of him for soon after. <laughs> someone let off the helium. <laughs> of someone let out the helium or something like that? And Justin Roberts. Oh my God! I'm like, dude, come on, Jim. I miss Grumpy Jim, man. God, because uh, he needs. But, bad- I need a Grumpy Jim talking about this best friends match because he can call Chuck Taylor fat and. <laughs>
0: and get on about his workouts. <laughs> uh but but you know going back to Fink like this was it's just stood out like the, the the him announcing these guys really stood out as an important part of this match and you know we don't really see that anymore and Vince has done uh for for better or worse he's he's sort of lessened the importance maybe uh, of the announcers a little bit but uh, that that's really stood out to me. Um so the uh, the other thing that's interesting is, uh, for those who don't remember, a lot of the late build for this match, you know, to sell the late pay-per-views and the late tickets was that they had some, I, I guess, naked pictures of Elizabeth. Was that what they were trying to sell? Like the idea that, uh, you know, they had some skimpy photos of Miss like Elizabeth my- that they were going to show after the match?
1: Like they used to be romantically involved, him and Ric Flair and Miss and Miss Liz are romantically involved and, and yeah, Flair has some pictures. And the, the Bobby came with that and it's still like it was cringe when I first heard it too. Like when he goes, Show show her the, show her her staples. Yeah, the staples of the, the stomach. The, yeah. Yeah. the stomach yeah, staples <laughs> in the stomach. And then he goes, Oh, the centerfold. Like i oh, like cring- <laughs> yeah, I've yeah, never yeah, seen yeah. I'd never seen Bobby trip up like that and like he that was that was that was hilarious. And, yeah. and I was waiting for that line to come on again. Yeah. So yeah, basically that, you know, they were, you know, rent, involved in the past and that flair has some, some risque pictures of Miss Elizabeth.
0: Okay. But, but we know they're not going to deliver those, right? Like that was just to, it was just like a little bit of a sleazy sell to get people to buy the show. Yeah, the the idea what? was what Flair was going to win and, and drop the big picture yeah. from the from from what though? Like, you know, like was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from the top of the <laughs> of Hoosier, the Hoosier Dome? Dome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so we know he's not going to win. I mean, we didn't know that he's not going to win, but we, but that was the sell for the show. Bobby is still selling that idea at the top of the show or at the top of the match. Maybe that's just because you know the he he's wanting to sell the idea that rick's gonna gonna win this match um so <clears throat> beginning of the match like savage doesn't even really let the let an actual match start he just goes crazy runs at rick and um and and just jumps rick for the bell perfect grabs savage and just like ragdolls him like just grabs him and just throws him i thought that was kind of interesting it was just kind of like a okay, like I'm here, I'm going to be a big part of this match. So let me show the fans that, uh, that I, you know, I, I can do that. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and then, uh, Savage, you know, Savage gets to control the match early and then he takes this really high backdrop and I actually don't know if it was as high as it looked, but there's a great camera angle where Rick ducks, and Savage goes up, and it looks like he's taken this backdrop forever over the top rope. That this is a great, like, great video. You know, it's a great camera angle of him taking that backdrop.
1: Yeah, This is It's his trademark backdrop that he did. We do a lot of times as a heel too, as well. He would. Uh, I think in the Rumble '90, he does that same kind of elimination with that backdrop. So yeah, it was It's an really? awesome bump, and he, yeah, it's an awesome bump, and and he hits it really clean. You know, just time.
0: like majestic. It was almost like he was like floating. Like is a like it's like in slow motion it was stupid. and it looks like it's out of control but he's like totally in control the whole time it's just yeah he's amazing amazing performer so uh flair takes control in the match and he does his he does his rick flair match you know it's attacking the leg and doing the shin breakers and you know doing everything that that you've ever seen in rick flair match when he actually takes control and, and gets the heat and then it's a reverse neck breaker that savage uses to start his comeback and at this point, you know I know Heenan. Nine, the ninety-two Rumble is is Heenan's signature call. He's not quite as amped here, but he's still really good. And Gorilla is playing off of him really well. He's going nuts at this point. And the interesting thing about this show is, you know, I think I think we we know that the actual gate was a little disappointing because. You know, they, they probably packed like 60,000 people in there, but they didn't actually have uh, a ton paid. And it's weird because of this dome. You know, this is, this is a dome, and and the sound is a little bit different in a dome. The dome is really high. And there were points at this match where I was like, wow, this crowd is so hot for this match. And there was other points where I was like, I can't even really tell if, they, if they're hot for the match at all. But I, but uh, so it's in and out. And, and I'm as as I'm looking at the crowd, they look like they're really into it. Um and so, uh, Flair, uh, Flair. It's now it's Flair's turn to to show, uh, to take these these bumps for Savage. He takes the really high backdrop. He takes the high like Savage like jo- like gets onto the, the to the first rope, the bottom rope. To launch Flair as high as humanly possible when Flair gets to the top rope, you know the, the quintessential Flair, you know going to the top rope and getting body slammed off the top rope, and so Flair is like just doing these high these high backdrops, high bumps, just awesome, and uh, and then they go to the outside. Flair gets, uh, I think Flair goes into the ring, uh, into into the rail, and then you know he gigs himself. And what's funny about this show is. There, there's blood in both this match and the Bret Hart Roddy Piper match, and Flair gets fined for gigging, essentially, because you're not supposed to do that in WWE, even all the way back to '92. But Bret gets out of it because he convinces Vince that it was hard way.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> oh my God, Bret. Um. So um. There's there's a moment in this in this match where Savage goes for the cover. And instead of covering him, he just sits on top of Rick's shoulders and just starts laying in right hands, you know, because it's it's not just him wanting to win the title. Like Flair is like messing with this lady, and so he's gotta he's gotta show Flair that you know this is still this is still a fight. I still want to punish you. I'm gonna take your title, but you're you know I'm gonna punish you at the same time. Um, he gets the double axe handle for a two count, and um, you know he, it's kind of funny in wrestling today because we know for the most part that wrestlers they really don't win until they hit their finish but they were trying to sell that the double axe handle was going to be the finish in this match and I did chuckle a little bit because I think the fans bought it too like this was possibly going to be the finish as like the double axe handle guys really like what I mean well, yeah, maybe that- in the early maybe in the early early days of Savage and WWF he may have won a match or two with that double axe handle, but I mean, you know, it's got to be the, you know, it's got to be the elbow if he's going to really win with a signature move. I,
1: I think back then, it, you know, nowadays, everyone just has to be, you know, be beat by the finisher, right? It's, they, there's not more, I wish there's more people that would win matches with inside cradles or backslides or, you know, a corner rolls or, or what a about secondary d- move. What
0: about double V triggers? Double V triggers.
1: <laughs> God. <laughs> Yeah, no, people, <laughs> or, or yeah, don't kick out of two crossroads for mid you know? <laughs> Um, No, like everything's, everyone's kicking out everything now. So it's, it's just, we've kind of like made it harder for, you know, the, the, for to get these reactions but like you know back then they were they, they you know people be, believed a little more a finish can happen any time now we're really conditioned to where oh it's not going to be till he hit his finisher or he's not or he's gonna kick out of his finisher but then kid it again then he gets the pin that's like a big that's what drives me nuts is that everyone's letting everyone kick out of their finisher just to hit it again because that's the old japanese style some cases oh, yeah. that was you know it's just it's just all a bunch of crap i don't mean, i watch a lot of re- old wrestling right now i've been watching a lot of you know UWF 1987 like I I don't know I don't think wrestling I think wrestling's devolved not evolved after watching some of this stuff like it's just so good back in the day and I watched this match too and I'm like god this is so great like the the match is so good yeah and shoot man like the people were into this match big time I mean they were rocking and rolling I thought the whole match
0: okay so if I have one flaw in this match it's um the referee uh perfect interferes and Hepner has to pretend that he didn't see it. Um, and I think this is on uh savage's elbow off the top rope. hits the elbow off the top rope. Perfect pulls him out of the ring and Heppner has to pretend as if Randy Savage just disappeared from covering Ric Flair to the outside. He like does the thing where he looks to his right he looks to his left and he does it again, and he's like, "I just have no idea what happened." While Mister Perfect is still pulling Ric Flair out of the ring, I mean Savage out of the ring. So if if there's a flaw in this match, I think it's I think it's that with with the referee stuff. I, I thought Hebner actually
1: did a, a decent job of turning. He did a big full turnaround, so I thought they did it. I thought the timing was actually. Pretty good on this. I remember when I rewatched, I thought it was pretty good, but yeah, maybe we saw something different. But
0: the fact, the the way that Savage wins this match, I think, sort of makes it worth it, and I, and I'll get to that in the end. So, uh, so Perfect throws flare, a gimmick, whatever, whatever it was. The uh, it wasn't actually a brass nux, it was like a stick of some sort, and he hits Savage with it, kicks out at two. Now, this was the moment in the match where. I think the fans you could see the fans go oh this is how it's gonna end Mm -hmm. but savage kicks out right at the two almost you know right after the two count i would i wish he would have waited a hair longer because if you if he waits right until that three count comes i think the fans go nuts um but he kicks out a little bit too early and the fans were like ready to go nuts and they they didn't go nuts um but it was it was a it was a great moment in the match because I could just see the breath go out of the fans oh, yeah. who who were who were who thought Randy was losing this match um so then uh perfect hits savage with a chair. Elizabeth comes out. you see a young Shane McMahon mm-hmm. trying to tell her she should not be out here. um you know all all three guys, I think it was Shane, um. Maybe there was like Rene Goulet or somebody who was also out there. There was a third guy. Was it Terry Garvin? I don't... I'm not exactly sure because if you read back through the observers, Meltzer writes an article where he's... I mean, Meltzer's recapping the show and he's like, people keep telling me... People from WWE keep telling me that's J.J. Dillon. And I know what J.J. Dillon looks like and that's not J.J. Dillon. And then he... He comes back in one of the episodes and actually says who it is, and I—I I forgot. I couldn't find it. I, I wanted to find it for this moment, but uh, I couldn't. I couldn't find it going back through the observers. Um, but then, um, th- this was an interesting moment because uh, Savage gets a small package for a two count, and Bobby says, "You—you—you'll never beat Ric Flair like that," mm-hmm. which is a great line because savage is going to beat him maybe not with a small package but he's going to beat him with a roll up later later in the match so flair's doing tons of damage to savage's leg savage is limping he's you know he's put him in the figure four already he's done the shin breaker a few times on him and kind of out of nowhere as he's he's you know doing damage to savage savage rolls him up and then he grabs the trunks and i'm thinking like i don't remember him grabbing the trunks but then i go no shit like the mr perfect is interfering at every moment of course he grabs the trunks that's like fair play right there and then he wins the match flair goes ballistic you know elizabeth comes in the ring flair corners elizabeth he says what about me kisses her on the lips uh, and then Savage attacks Flair, and then Flair and Perfect attack Savage, and there's everybody in the ring pull apart, but Savage wins the wins the match, and Fink, like, like you said this last week, Fink doesn't call him the new champion; he calls him the once again champion, I know, I know. Randy Macho Man Savage. So that is the the whole end uh, end of the match. And, and look, you know, it's it's the best match. Um, I, th- I, you know, I think some some people enjoy the, um, maybe the, the dr- dr- dramatic part of of Savage and, and Ultimate Warrior. This match is a better match than that, but as a as a moment, I get why people really love that Savage Ultimate Warrior match from WrestleMania Seven. But if you go from WrestleMania Three to WrestleMania Eight. This is this is the best match since WrestleMania three, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely his. I mean, yeah, I, I like it
1: better than the Warrior match for sure. But and I like the Warrior match too. But yeah, this is his uh, Savage's best, second best match. I guess Well have yeah, Steamboat WrestleMania three for sure is up there. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, definitely, I agree.
0: All right, so I have a quote from Ric Flair's book, and he talks about Savage, and he talks about. The idea, And because I do want to ask you some questions about about, you know, sort of what do you do next? But from Ric Flair's book, he says Vince's strategy at this point was to leave the title on me. But Randy whined and moaned until the decision was changed. I had no qualms either way. Having known Randy from when we worked together in Charlotte in the 70s, I admired his intensity in the ring and I wanted to wrestle him since his first championship run. In 88. And we talked about that, you know, Flair thinking of, of leaving for WWF in 88 to, to Russell Savage in a previous we want We Want Flair. And so he says, uh, what I didn't know was that Randy was a very insecure guy. He wanted me to come to his home in Florida and practice the match. Mr. Perfect was also there because he was going to interfere on my behalf. I'd never done anything like this in my life. I found out. That the same thing had happened in 87 when Randy defended the intercontinental title against Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania 3. Randy drove Ricky insane going over each move again and again. When people praised the match as the greatest in World Wrestling Federation history, Steamboat would kind of shrug. He shared my belief that the best matches are called in the ring and on the fly, not laid out on paper. Make no mistake about it. I respect Randy Savage for his skills and accomplishments, but because of his unwillingness to get in the ring and improvise, I won't call him a great worker.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What are your thoughts on that quote?
1: Yes, yeah, I'm 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 with that. I, I've I've seen it. I've been in, I've been involved in it. Um, when I was a, as a manager, my guys when we would all we would go in there, and it was working with a guy who wanted to just go over every detail of the match over and over and over and over and over again for the show. It'd be fine. And sometimes it'd be very good. But like the times where it's just like you go out there and feel those matches are always better always better because you don't know if you're going to feed chicken to a vegetarian crowd right like you know this you don't know who you're gonna get out there so you have to have that ear open to the crowd and you gotta feel i think that's the best way to go i think that's the best way i think all young wrestlers should take advantage of in on the indie scene now like just go out there and try to do a match like that where you just call it in the ring instead of just planning it out but now everything's planned out i mean it's planned out everywhere every i mean WWE is planned out. uh All yeah. the Indies is planned out. The AEW is always planned out. Um, shoot, I'm I'm guessing a lot the Japan stuff and in, in some ways is planned out, you know. Though I really like... I don't know if our, all Japan all that stuff is planned out. And even New Japan... I don't, I don't know if Tanahashi is planned out stuff, but... It doesn't seem like it. It seems like his matches are a little more organic, but... Uh, that's the way I miss. Uh, me and Justin Nipper were talking about this today, actually. Um, I sent him some stuff on... Um, just some stuff from like WCW nineteen ninety one because I was telling mm. him about one of my favorite mid card programs was uh, Bobby Eaton and Tom's uh, Z-, Z Man Tom Zink versus uh, Terrence Taylor and Blade Landell or early stuff of the York Foundation um, and I was just, I just happened to stumble across some footage of it. I said it to him and he was like saying how you know you know how organic it was and different it was and you know nowadays it's like everything's so choreograph and i miss the organic stuff i miss that stuff so yeah and then you know it's a lot of guys don't respect guys like that like ddp used to get crap for that right like ddp was one that would want to write out his matches and go over it and plan it out and it's um a lot of people give him crap for that but it's funny because savage and him had a great connection they could both the same way right um but i mean i think you're a better worker if you can go out there and call it. Like a Tim Thatcher, like a Tim Thatcher, why right? so, you know, Tim Thatcher doesn't call sh- jack shit, right? Unless he has to work with a guy that probably needs that, you know, security of calling stuff like heal. But like I've seen like guys that he's, <laughs> I've seen him like just shrug people off. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll go out there. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, no problem. See you out there. Like I've seen him <laughs> do that to people, and and other people too. I've seen that same thing. My friend JJ Perez, who's a great rooker, um, he would do the same thing too. Like, oh, why are we going over this stuff? Like, uh... and then like I remember we had JJ versus AJ Styles. AJ Styles came to APW in our Hayward garage. Can you figure that out? Um, and AJ wanted to go over every move from the start, and JJ's like, God, I thought this guy's supposed to be great. You know, like he's like and like. And I was like, and I sat there and I listened to them go over a match. It was just interesting, like, okay, JJ, you two, me three. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? But you know, like, but you know, whatever. It is, he's like a big star now. You know, he's, like, he's one of the biggest, best stars in the world. But it's just so funny, you know uh, that that
0: art of calling it in the in the ring is just dying out. Where do you, where do you think that comes from? Is it they just don't know how to respond to silence or to, um a crowd maybe not you know n- not responding to something they think they're going to respond to i just think it comes with the training now i think people are just trained to call it in the
1: back and you know these guys who are training now are just guys that called it in the back and now are training the next generation of guys and that's how they learn i think it's just it's just uh dying out the uh, going out there and 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 calling in the ring, and I still think they it should. That's the way to go. You're going to get a better match out of it, you know. There's certain things you might want to go over. You might want to go over obviously the finish, right? If the booger gives you a certain finish, you know, you want to go over that. You want to talk about that. Um, the cutoff, maybe. Maybe you have some kind of special cutoff plan. Maybe it's not. You know, I prefer simple cutoffs. I think people get a little too. Uh, over the top of their cutoffs i'm like dude the guy could just miss a move you know what i mean like it doesn't have to be anything mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. this person needs to do this this and that it's like just just miss a just a damn drop kick or something who knows like you know you can do anything for a cutoff but um i think people kind of overthink things a little too much but uh but yeah i think it's just like it's just a training i think people like i said the people training now are just guys that um you know that now they're all calling in the ring and now they're training their people and now they're going on that's all they know and that's why it looks so like choreographed. That's why this matches just looked, you know, and there's no like you, you, there's no interaction with that crowd. You know, the guys that can do both are, are pretty, pretty good. They can keep that crowd interaction and, and also have the match choreographs are usually a little better. But like the ones that just go out there and they're just like paying zero attention to the crowd and just going over the match they did the, in the back. And it's like, how do you know if that crowd even wants that match? Right. You got to keep your ears open.
0: All right, so just a couple of tidbits coming out of the post WrestleMania frame. and then I'm gonna have, and then I have a question for you before we before we close this uh, the, this we want Flair. So the they do a European tour like right after WrestleMania that does tremendous business, and I think partially it's because when they would previously. Uh, when they would do like a house show tour in Europe, they wouldn't necessarily always have their their top guys, but they brought, I think they brought all their guys here. So like the, the tour is really good. So good that they decide to go back like a couple more times in 92. Um, when they come back though, US houses are down, which is kind of the norm after WrestleMania. But the expectation was that the Ultimate Warrior would help in that area, because because people hadn't seen him since, um, I think it was SummerSlam, the previous year. So that didn't happen. Like that, you know, him and Sid Justice were uh, were tied together, and uh, that that didn't happen in the U.S. And because of that, they're actually canceling house shows because they're just not, you know, they're 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 not drawing enough for them to be profitable. So they're canceling house shows. And then we talked about this already but Sid Justice gets suspended so he fails a drug test the week before WrestleMania and I think I think the way that he tries to beat the test is whatever the the little uh containers that you have to that you have to uh pee into I think I think they you can buy pee that's sort of in the containers or something already, and so um, and so Justice kind of gets caught trying to do the switcheroo. Uh, at least that's how it was reported in in the Observer back then. If, if if the story has come out that it was a little bit different, so be it. But at that time, in the Observers I'm reading, he gets caught uh, trying to uh, you know trying to screw with the test. And so he's also so post-WrestleMania, before the actual test result comes out um, or before they decide to suspend him, he kind of has a little bit of, of a conniption fit and decides to uh, not wrestle. And uh, Dave says, oh, yeah, you know, this is kind of what happens in the summer, because uh, that's why he that's why they call him softball Sid. He, he always figures out a way to, to take some time off so he can go play softball. So, uh, so that, that's what's going on in WWF right after WrestleMania. And my question to you is, knowing the result and knowing what we talked about in the last We Want Flair about why Rick becomes important, he has the title, he stands out, he comes from the other company. Without the title, Rick is not that special. So I wonder why they took it off of him here unless it was because they knew they were going off of Hogan and you don't have your top baby face because A, he's going to do movies and B, you don't really want to be associated with him because of all the mainstream media going out about his steroids. And we mentioned also last time, you know, there's lots of really bad stuff about WWE from drug abuse to... um you know uh, Mel Phillips stuff with kids and homosexuality, and Barry Orton saying that you know he didn't get pushed because he didn't sleep with the right person, and so all of the stuff is in the table in, in the tabloids, but also in the magazine shows like your Inside Editions and your you know your your talk shows like Geraldo and and those kind of shows. So WWE is seen in a bad light at the same time. So you kind of have to keep Hogan away and he doesn't come back until WrestleMania 9. Is that why they go savage here? Because by taking the belt off of Rick, he becomes just a normal WWE guy. Yeah, I think it's a lot and it has to do with it. Hogan's not there. Um, they need a babyface
1: that's going to carry the house shows, right? They're going to be on top. They're usually a baby face. They usually don't have a long heel champion, even though a year later they will with Yokozuna um, in 93. Uh, I think that with Hogan being gone suggested he just turns to justice, right? He was supposed to be a big baby face. They turned him heel, um, I don't think... The Undertaker's an attraction. He doesn't need the title. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to be the one for a long run. So I think having a babyface champion is what they're comfortable with, what they're used to. of uh, the way they went with. And, you know, Savage is a, definitely a guy that can carry that ball. He can work with a lot of people. Um, various different people. So uh, I think that was the right move. Um, I was shocked as a kid though. I mean, I thought for sure, like, you know, Flair has long runs, right, as champion. I'm only used to that happening when he was the nwa or a slash ww world champion so um i was blown away that his first run was only in like a couple months yeah you know and and that was a shocker to me um i know i mean but who else would you have flight I mean, you can have savage chase him still you know you could do rematches um flair was top you can do bret hart i guess but bret hart was Intercontinental champion they don't really mix the Intercontinental champion and the world champion together at the time and piper's already been done right in late ninety one, um, maybe the Undertaker or, or to Warrior, but I also don't think they were really trusting the Ultimate Warrior as well. I think yeah. they want. I think he was just brought back as an attraction, and and as they predicted, um,
0: he became a head case and they and they got rid of him. So uh, Flair will eventually win it back from Savage uh, after the uh, I think it's after SummerSlam, right? Mm-hmm. Or is it after? Yeah. Sur- after SummerSlam. SummerSlam yeah. And then he will lose it to Brett leading into in late 92 leading into 93. And then, you know, soon, you know, if you if you've listened to our podcast for a long time, you listen to our Raw 93 reviews and one of the first ones that we did was Flair versus Mr. Perfect in that loser leave town match which is his last WWF match. He's not even on WrestleMania 9. So uh so yeah, he he's kind of uh it's a quick, it's a quick time for him. He 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 comes in uh, like a lion and he leaves like a lamb. You know, he he definitely leaves his imprint on WWF, and and he, a lot of his stuff is memorable. But it is also sort of like weird that it wasn't as big of a deal as I think we all thought it was going to mm-hmm.
1: be. Yeah, it was also. I think eighty eight would have been totally different. If we have came during that time, I think it would have been a bigger deal. Um, I think we might have kind of passed that time in ninety one. even though it was still it was still amazing and special, we felt it, but I think in 88 it would have been even bigger. Um and you know, Flair's Flair's a unique guy because he's a he's he he dominates his personality. He's such a big character that like he can't he doesn't seem right to be in the mid-cards, mm-hmm. right? Like even nineteen ninety when he lost the title to Sting and now he's like in a tag team with Arn Anderson and with Doom for the tag team titles. Mm-hmm. Just did not sit well with me back then. Like, I, it's almost like he needed to be a guy that would leave to be away for a while and then come back. But then again, like at the time, you know, you need him to draw some houses, right? He, you know, without Flair, it, it definitely, I mean, the house is already down in 1990 and 91 like imagine him not being there is even worse so you, you can't afford for him to take off time but uh but he just like he's just he kind of just takes away from everyone it's it's uh he's a tough character save with hogan too like i mean hogan had to leave right during savage's run 88 for a long time it was uh and houses dipped in 88 when savage was on top so um uh, just you know not, not as much though he, not as much did, i think he did a pretty good job but there's a there's a dip there and because you know like it's hard but but he but they they worked out perfectly he's doing the movie Savage can be on his own where it's not you know he's not overshadowed by Hogan and then when Hogan comes back and then they you know set up that great for you
0: yeah so you know that that's uh, that that's gonna wrap it up for for this one um, there's not a lot of uh, flare stuff in WWF that uh, we probably will cover this was really the big thing but we're going to be back with uh with may's uh we want flair and we're going to tackle rick and hogan halloween havoc 94. so we'll talk about hogan coming in and that whole story of how he comes in flares flair is a big part of that like like he he is a big part of Hogan coming in and so we'll talk about that story and then you know their first match and then leading to uh to the Halloween Havoc match as well for our next we want flair um but otherwise the last thing I wanted to ask you about we kind of talked about this last week which is you know, is there anything new that you decided to watch while we were uh, like while we've been so, while we've been quarantining? Is there anything else that you've decided to watch that you thought was pretty good that you could offer as a recommendation?
1: Um, I've been. It's wrestling, not.
0: The
1: <laughs> 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 um, I've been watching uh, the whole year of 1987, EWF, uh, a, a territory. I mean, I watched Mid South, but to, for some reason, 1987, I didn't have much footage of, and never got much footage of. But
0: is it is it on the network?
1: It's no, it's not on the network. It's on YouTube. And oh wow, you know, I don't want to get the guy taken off, so I'm still, I'm in May, so like I gotta finish this year out, and it is freaking really good, and maybe that's why I'm like. I see stuff on Wednesdays and I'm just like, oh my God. Like, I'm watching some good stuff. Like, literally, Terry Taylor is on fire in the UWF 1987. Um, his heel turn on Chris Adams, I had to put up there as one of my favorite heel turns of all time. Up there with Randy Savage over Hulk Hogan in 89, uh, right? Like, it, it, he is just so great. He's such a talent. I mean, I always liked Terry Taylor, even, you know, you know. Unfortunately, the Red Rooster stuff, but, you know. But I mean, as a as a as a worker, I, I liked his matches. I always liked what he did, even when we went to WCW after WWF. But like, I, I just I don't even I don't even remember him being such a great promo. And like in UWF, like he's not yelling or screaming or anything like that kind of guy. But he's just like he paints just a perfect picture every promo. Um, it's, he's definitely been my highlight. And also, you know, you got Steve Doctor Des Williams and Ted DiBiase. Uh, right now, I'm in the, uh, you know, Crockett's already bought in, so that shifted to the big time. There's Big Bo Rogers now, and so that's been interesting, the shift, but uh, it's been just really, really good TV. I've been enjoying the hell of it. That's, by, that's been my, like, my wrestling fix, man, has been this UWF 1987, and I'm watching both the TV show and the Power Pro show which, and I'm going back and forth at the, you know, the air like same day. And it's pretty, pretty cool. And I've been having a fun time talking to my buddy, Oliver John about it. Cause he loved that stuff too. So we kind of like joke around about that on text message every, every night. Cause I, I just bug him with UWF stuff.
0: I'm watching. <laughs> so after uh, John was talking about the UWF, for some reason uh, we disconnected. But the one thing I wanted to say, one thing I'm watching, many people have already watched this. Apple Plus TV or Apple TV Plus, the morning show. It is a little too deep for the style of TV show. Sometimes I find myself going like, man, this show is so serious. But it is it is very well done. Um, it is uh, Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell. the the two stars Reese Witherspoon as well, but just just Good acting, really, really solid story. It's the you know the Matt Lauer Today Show story with you know their own narrative. But if you uh, if you're interested in uh, the Apple TV stuff, it takes like five or six bucks a month, so it's not even that cheap. But you know for your five or six bucks a month, I think it is uh, it is worth it to to watch the show, and then you can discontinue your account uh, after that. But anyway, so, uh, John and I were done anyways for whatever the, the malfunction was. I'm not, ex- I'm still not exactly sure, but, um, that's all I wanted to say with my recommendation and we'll be back next week with, uh, with more, uh, we will not do a, we want flare next week. So we'll have some time to do something else, uh, creative again, if you're interested in joining the fight game podcast, Facebook group, check us out, uh, and, uh, Come do the, you know, the, the group watch with us. So we'll, uh, we're going to do something this weekend together as a, a, a bunch of us are just going to watch something and, and chat about it. So that's always fun. Uh, anyways, for John, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.